Hello and welcome to the Righteous Remnant Podcast. If you'd like to support our ministry or find out more about us, you can do so at therighteousremnant.org. All right, welcome to the Righteous Remnant Podcast. Today is June 25th, 2022, the day after the Supreme Court officially overturned Roe versus Wade. Yesterday was a historic day, and I was celebrating with my family. I think all Christians should be celebrating um, because this is something that the evangelical community has been fighting for for 50 years, and it finally came to pass after decades of fasting and prayer and activism and the March for Life and all the stuff that Christians have been doing. Um, Praise God, it has happened. And, you know, I took my kids aside yesterday and I kind of explained several things. They know all about abortion because I talk about it with them. Um, But, you know, one of the things that we talked about was that, you know, several prophets that I trust, you know, have been saying that Roe versus Wade, that decision in 1973, brought a curse upon our nation and that we have not had a, a significant move of God since that date right, in the past 50 years. And we've seen what's happened to America in the past 50 years. We've seen so much of the nation um, turn away from God's laws, turn away from the fear of the Lord. We've seen so much of the church go into, you know, lukewarm faith and begin to backslide and compromise in serious ways. So we need a move of God. And overturning Roe versus Wade really seemed to be the linchpin to seeing God begin to send outpourings again. And I want to read a section from Psalm 94 um, that really touches on this, right? It says this, The Lord is a God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth, rise up, judge of the earth, and pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long, Lord, will the wicked, how long will the wicked be jubilant? They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. They say the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. Take notice, you senseless ones among the people, you fools. When will you become wise? Does he who fashion the ear not hear? Does he who form the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge? The Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. And then uh, pay attention to verse 16. It says, Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, My foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you? A throne that brings on misery by its decrees. The wicked band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. Okay, so that's Psalm 94. And there's a number of things in there that really seem prophetically to speak to abortion. Right. So verse 20 says, Can a corrupt throne be allied with you, a throne that brings on misery by its decrees? Okay, and this is the idea of when... The Supreme Court made this decision in 1973 to to see abortion as a constitutionally protected right. This was really an alliance of the federal government with this death decree of abortion. And this is what we believe brought a curse on the nation, right? But the whole psalm is about how the Lord will not allow this type of thing to go unpunished forever. 
right? And it specifically talks about the one who fashioned, did he who fashioned the ear not see? Does he who formed the eye not see? Right, this whole idea that he sees because he made us, right? He made them. And this seems particularly poignant when we're talking about abortion because we're talking about whether a fetus, an unborn baby, is a person, right? And this scripture, I think, really lays it out, right? They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless, right? This is seems prophetically really to be speaking about abortion. Obviously, it speaks about other things, too. But we do think that this is an important scripture, and um, this idea of who will rise up for me against the wicked and take a stand for me against evildoers. I think this is the part that the Lord is really correcting in the American church because there's been such an overemphasis on the love and the mercy and grace of God. And the thing is, you know, we should be able to emphasize that fully, right? The problem is when we emphasize that and then we start to de-emphasize the judgment and the holiness and the fear of the Lord, that's where we end up with a really perverted, distorted picture of who God is. But this scripture talks about, you know, that God is looking for those who will rise up against the wicked, right? And take a stand against evildoers. And that's really what's happening in this season. The church is getting rebuked and disciplined and corrected. And many are starting to understand, you know, I need to take a stand against these things. I can't just say, God loves you. God loves you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. We love you. Please come to our church. All this kind of stuff. We can't just emphasize that. We also have to emphasize that the Lord promises that he will judge for these types of sins. And really, that's what we have been concerned about when it comes to abortion, that there will be a judgment from the Lord on this. And we want our nation to be spared from that judgment in as much as possible, right? We want a positive judgment from the Lord on this. Right? We want to be able to say, Lord, we as a nation heard your voice, and we repented of our sin, and we called others to repent. And then when judgment comes, we'll be rewarded instead of share in that punishment, okay? So that is the hope. And, you know, in the same way that in, in the times of slavery, there was a judgment on America, um, but it really was a disciplinary judgment, right? We had 2% of the nation was killed, and yet after the Civil War, we arose better than ever, and we, you know, we prospered and we grew. And I, I think all of that was part of the judgment. That's how judgment works. There can be a spanking, a discipline, um, but if there's repentance and we do what's right, then we'll be blessed afterwards. And that's really the purpose of the discipline. And that's as opposed to a judgment that's much more harsh, you know, which could be even destruction. That's the most terrible judgment of all. And, um, you know, we could see our nation destroyed. We could see it split permanently. And those things are still in play. That All those things are still possible. Um, and I think a lot of that, the, the, the severity of the judgment will be determined by how we react as a church specifically, um, in this season right now. And so this is an extremely important victory to see Roe versus Wade overturned. Now we're going to see the battle go to the states, okay? The states are now going to become the battlefield. But before I get into that, um, I just want to, first of all, just say thank you to all the believers who have been praying for this, fasting for this, who have been voting, who have been speaking out, you know, with their friends, their family on social media, who have been doing sidewalk counseling, who have marched in the, you know, March for Life. There's so many ways that Christians have been showing support, and it really is the church. It's the church 
that made this possible. We've been fighting for this. And if you look at all the backlash that's going on right now, all the people that are upset about this decision by the Supreme Court, much of the anger is being targeted right at Christians, right? Because they know that it's Christians, right, who are pushing this and have made this happen. And so I just want to say thank you, church. Thank you. Thank you. Because I know it's a thankless job. Right? I know you probably didn't win a lot of friends taking these stands for many of you, but many of you have faced persecution. Many of you have even lost jobs or you know, been, been persecuted by your families. Um, but it's because of your courage that this has happened. And this is really just the beginning. There's, there's far more to go. And the reality is that the warfare is going to get more intense. Okay, The warfare will get more intense as the people on the left... And I want to make a distinction here because I do believe there are believers who are Democrats. And I'm not trying to say a Democrat is is our enemy, per se. But I am saying that there is generally, you know, a hostility to God on the far left. And those people um, are going to get more and more upset and angry as they feel more and more threatened. Okay? And that's really what, you know, what happened to President Trump President Trump represented a huge pushback against the momentum that was happening where the left was gaining increased dominance all over the nation. And and then Trump was elected, and what you saw was this feeling of, oh my gosh, I feel threatened by this, right? And that's why there's so much hostility, so much you know, slander and accusation, all this kind of stuff against him. But, you know, I think what we need to do right now is take a second and say, thank you, President Trump. Thank you, President Trump. Because, look, uh, he did what he said he would do, all right? I'm not saying he was perfectly honest in every area. He's he's not. But he's probably the most honest politician of my lifetime. <laughs> and that that's pretty amazing, right? He said that he would put in pro-life judges, and he did it. And he did it in a way that was more effective and more serious about it, you know, than Bush or Reagan or any of the other conservatives, McCain or um, Romney. I can't believe, you know, Romney was the Republican nominee. You know, like none of those guys would have done what Trump did. Right. And we just have to give President Trump a lot of credit. I think he almost certainly will be running again in 2024. I think it's very likely he will get the Republican nomination. And I think it's likely that he'll win, right? He may not. You know, we don't know. We can't tell the future. Um, but I do think there's a good chance he's coming back and he's going to win. And look, this decision validates him like crazy, all right? This Supreme Court decision validates him like crazy, okay? All those people, you know, that said that Christians were being used and manipulated by President Trump. And he was lying to you and he's just pretending to be a Christian. All that kind of garbage and nonsense, okay? Like, no, he was the most faithful out of all the Republican, you know, nominees that we had. And this is getting really to the heart of the matter. Like, what is what is honesty? Like, what is honesty? You know, President Trump, he does tell fibs, okay? He does lie. He's not careful with his words. He's not careful. But I think, generally speaking, he's an honest person. And I know a lot of people are like, those seems like oxymorons, Dennis. Like, you're telling me that he, he tells lies and he's an honest person. And I'm saying, yes, because he's not a sophisticated liar. What we get in politics... Really, to be a great politician, one of the main skills that you that you utilize is sophisticated deception. All right, that's like that's standard practice for the for the politician class. Okay, they're sophisticated deceivers. All right, they tell 
elaborate lies and they deceive and they're, and they're careful, very careful with their words because they want to mislead you so that you'll believe they think this and you believe that they do this. And their goal is to hide all of their weaknesses and to present to everyone like they're going to do what you want them to do, right? If you're a politician, that's what you want people to think. You want everyone to think you're going to do what they want you to do, right? And you're not. You have no intentions of doing what they want you to do, but you're going to say all the stuff that you need to say to get their vote, right? And that's what I mean. Like, you can have guys like Obama and McCain and Romney and all of these, you know, lifelong politicians, these these amazingly talented, skilled politicians. And the thing is, they're not honest people. They're sophisticated liars, all right? And it's the exact same way with the media. The media right? They're careful, very careful with what they say, but their whole intention is to deceive and manipulate many times. I don't, you know, it's, it's hard. I, I'm not trying to say every journalist is like that, but they're, they're, it's pretty obvious at this point. There's this incredible corruption in the national media where they're very sophisticated liars. And I would make the argument that that is far, that like they are greater liars than Trump is by far. Trump is far more honest than those people. And and a big part of that, I think, is just because he's not a good liar. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but the lies that he tells are not sophisticated, right? I get why he says some of the stuff that he says, and yes, I wish he was a little more careful and that he could speak a little more articulately on some of these things, but he's a fairly honest person, and I trust him a lot more than I trust almost you know, the vast majority of politicians and vast majority of media people, right? So... My point is, we have to give Trump some credit on this. You know, like, he did what he said he was going to do in terms of the most important stuff, like giving us pro-life justices. This is why we voted for him, and he came through for us. I think that's going to be a very strong argument for why we should continue to vote for Trump in 2024. Okay, now, I like Ron DeSantis in Florida. I think he is a very strong candidate, and I'm looking forward to the primary to see, you know, because the primary is where he's going to be tested, right? So we'll see how he does, you know, with Trump and, and, and whatever other candidates, you know, arise during that time. We don't know for sure, but I suspect that Trump will probably be reelected. And if that's the case, then I think what we're going to see is that those prophetic words that were given about Trump being reelected are going to be proven right. Okay, now I want to be clear. I'm not sure about this. All right, I'm not sure about this. This is a maybe, and I'm not trying to justify anything because I'm fine with being wrong. Okay, I thought those words were probably right. I thought they were probably talking about 2020 when they were given originally, but I think even at the time I said, hey, but the, the most common way that we misinterpret prophetic words is we miss the timing. All right, it's very, very common. If you have you know, tried to honor prophecy and follow prophecy, then you've almost certainly had this experience where you thought a word that the Lord gave you was going to be fulfilled in a, a, in a more immediate time frame than it eventually ended up being fulfilled. It's very, very common, especially like when we look at biblical prophecy. You know, we have prophecies that people thought would be fulfilled you know, thousands of years ago still are unfulfilled, right? And that's very common with prophecy, all right? Timing is very, very difficult to get. So I simply say that to say that, you know, this is exciting, right, to see everything that's happening. We are seeing a major pushback here. Um, gun control stuff I want to go into in the future. I just saw today that there was um, 
a major bill that passed the Senate in Arizona pushing for widespread school choice in Arizona. That is a huge deal. So we are seeing major pushback, and we should be really encouraged if we are conservative evangelical believers and voters right now. This is really exciting what's happening, and we should continue to stay fervent in prayer as best as we can. I know many people are being tested right now. I've been tested in this past season. It's been a hard season for lots of people. I just want to speak encouragement. Stay the course. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to seek the Lord. Um, It's awesome, everything that we're saying right now. Okay, God bless. See you guys.